Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening. Hi, it's Gary. Yet another warning that today's podcast deals with Deshaun Watson and therefore mature topics that are probably not appropriate for younger listeners. With that said, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the MMQB NFL podcast. I'm Gary Bramling. And I'm Connor Orr. And Connor, we have gathered here to talk about the resolution perhaps final resolution in the Deshaun Watson suspension saga, uh, still an outstanding civil case, so that has to be taken care of. But as far as football is concerned, this seems to be settled, or maybe not. We'll get to that in just a moment here. Uh, But let me lay out the terms first, and then we'll open up the discussion here. Uh, So Watson has uh, settled with the NFL. Watson sort of represented by both the uh, Players Association and his own camp, uh, his own legal team, and his agency. Uh, The terms are 11 games for the suspension which would bring him back for a Week 13 game against Houston, Uh, a $5 million fine. He is also to undergo mandatory counseling. Now, things got a little bit, I don't know, pushed back into a gray area because 
part of this was clearly based on the NFL's language in their press release, based on Watson showing contrition. He had given an apology, uh, or what could loosely be termed an apology, uh, before their first preseason game last week. And uh, as soon as word of settlement came out, he and his camp just sort of <laughs> did the opposite of an apology, said he was innocent, said uh, that the uh, the NFL's investigation uh, was flawed and that, uh, you know, Judge Sue Robinson made a mistake and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, what kind of door might this crack open uh, as far as the terms of the settlement go? So, yeah, when you had mentioned that maybe we had reached a resolution, I wanted to jump in. Had this not been, you know, serious subject matter, I might have jumped in with like a Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend, right? Mm -hmm. Because I I think if you read the language and just from talking to people yesterday, uh, the the NFL is appointing a behavioral expert to oversee this case. And the behavioral expert now is going to be charged with determining whether Deshaun Watson has been rehabilitated in this time period over the next 11 weeks plus however much time. Now, I don't know. He has said he had said a couple weeks ago that he was doing counseling through the Browns. I don't know if that time is going to be included. I don't know if that whatever he'd been doing in those counseling sessions is going to be included in this new third party. Um, It would seem whatever counseling he has already received with the Browns has emboldened his stance that he did nothing wrong. So I don't know if the NFL wants to try a different uh, person or a different avenue here. But if at the end of week 11, the third party behavioral expert comes to the NFL and says, yeah, he's going to walk right back out here and say that he didn't do anything wrong. Um, I don't think the guy thinks he's done anything wrong. It's probably not a great idea to have him in front of a microphone uh, or being the ambassador of a city uh, via the NFL. Then the NFL is going to not let him back on the field. And so we're left with this sort of sliding scale that the NFL has to deal with. Are they going to continue to try to aggressively or somewhat aggressively right cuz i don't i don't know the nfl appealed but then they kind of fell back on on the on on the second um suspension so are they going to be aggressive here or are they going to hope that in 11 weeks people stop caring about it and then they're just going to throw them back out there and uh, just pray that nothing bad happens we will see but my guess would be if the anonymous language and the rhetoric from Watson's camp that we saw during the suspension continues, I think the NFL will closely monitor the behavioral expert, and I think we could see a fight at the end of 11 weeks if what they get at the end does not seem to be truly remorseful. Yeah, and what we're looking at here, just just to recap, so Deshaun Watson on Thursday after the settlement had... uh, you know, a word had leaked and then the NFL released their release. I'm not sure of the exact timeline with his press availability, but uh, he said he, he continues to maintain his innocence and he will stand on that. Uh, his agent, David Mulligetta, uh, he later deleted this tweet, but uh, he tweeted out, to be clear, Judge Robinson, referring to Sue Robinson, the, the arbitrator, uh, who determined that Watson's actions were 
egregious and predatory, among other things. Uh, to be clear, Judge Robinson repeated the NFL's narrative. She received a brief from the NFL weeks before we had the opportunity to talk to her. In our first call with the judge, she referred to, quote, Deshaun Watson's pattern of behavior, end quote. Her mind was made up before we ever presented a counter. Uh, he deleted that tweet, and then he uh, sent another tweet a little bit later. Uh, Deshaun has always stated he is innocent of sexual assault. Nothing has changed in what he said. He also said he is remorseful. The decisions he made have created the situation. The settlement allows him to move forward with his life and career. Uh, so it is abundantly clear at this moment he is not taking responsibility for for what went on uh if we step back for a moment obviously the personal conduct policy has been a defining aspect of Roger Goodell's time as commissioner of the league if uh, I were a kinder person I would say <laughs> commissioner Goodell is very earnest about rehabilitating people and having you know players become better men through the personal conduct policy uh and for that reason, I don't know, man, like it, it must have really stung. It must have really stung to put out this press release and be ready to talk about how Deshaun is ready to be better. We're going to help him become better. And then immediately just have him turn around and say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's that's the first admitting you did something wrong is the absolute first step to getting better. I think the word would probably be for Roger Goodell disheartened. I think that would be probably be, be, right because there was this sort of little uh, twinge of progress. There was him coming out and saying, I didn't do anything wrong. And then the, the 180 snapback. And let's go back to um, the agent's language, right? Which I think is becoming increasingly interesting here. Um we know that the NFL did not see any cases that they deemed to be violent. Uh, now, Jenny uh, Ventus, who's great, our our best friend, mm -hmm. now works for the New York Times, um, I think brought up a great point in some of the Deshaun work that she did here that, you know, we're, we're working with a dated definition of violence here, right? I mean, uh, what is violence? If you impact someone psychologically for a very long time and make it difficult for them to go to work um, or live a life, that's that's violent. Uh, and the NFL wasn't working with that definition. My guess is that will change um, as we move forward. But the agent's language is very, very clear, right? We didn't assault somebody. Deshaun did something stupid. He regrets it. The end. And there's a massive elephant in the room there in that vacant space between those two statements, which, again, I think is as telling as anything else. They are coming out and basically depending on a legion of morons to interpret this as a brazen victory and stance when if you parse the language in their words, it's like, yeah, something fucked up happened here. Uh, but we're not going to, you know, uh, but it, it's not by definition this thing. So yeah. we win, you know. And again, we've talked about this when Jenny has been on the show in the past. Uh, the term sexual assault, uh, if you are talking about Texas statutes, and uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to blow anyone away by saying maybe Texas statutes are not terribly friendly uh, to women. But under Texas statutes, he probably did not commit sexual assault in a lot of these cases. 
uh, it would have been, you know, the uh, the detective who felt he should have been charged felt it should have been indecent assault, which is a misdemeanor. Um, it's a little bit different there. Had this gone down in a different state, New York perhaps, uh, you would probably have a much different legal outcome uh, as far as this behavior goes. Uh, so when, you know, certainly they can claim uh, he will not be he will not be charged with sexual assault in the state of Texas. Uh, that is clear. They're not going back to this. Uh, it's just not going to happen. So it's really, it, it's going to be a matter uh, to be settled in this last civil case. If, I mean, as if, you know, for the few people out there who somehow haven't figured out what went on. Uh, but on top of that, you have what David Mulligetta said. You also have what, you know, Quincy Avery on Twitter, uh, the private quarterbacks coach who works with Sean Watson, he suggested that Jenny Rentis is biased. We have heard Rusty Harden trot out that claim that Jenny Rentis is biased in what she does. And I'm just going to point out one more time, and, and Jenny doesn't need us to defend her. Her work stands on its own as, as outstanding, and I think most people recognize that. The vast majority of people recognize that. But when we went into this story... Back in the winter of 2021, we didn't know what we were going to find. We were looking more into Tony Busby, and Tony Busby had some problems with the way he vetted clients. The uh, Mary, the woman who gave us her account of her dealing with uh, Deshaun Watson and his problematic behavior, and it did not sue him and did not go to the police and did not speak to the NFL, uh, she just wanted to speak out as a public witness to back some of these claims because she went through a very similar thing. But uh, she talked to Tony Busby's office and did not like how they seemed to be sort of rushing through and didn't feel she was being properly vetted. And therefore, she ended up uh, consulting with a different attorney. Uh, we were looking into more of that at the start. We did not have, you know, like, it wasn't like, okay, well, let's call 10,000 people and find someone who has something bad to say about Sean Watson. We were just stunned to stumble upon, you know, we're reaching out to massage therapists in the area just to be like, Oh, you know, do you, do you, did you hear anything about this? Do you know a rumor? Do you know, uh, uh, have you ever interacted with, uh, someone who is maybe one of the plaintiffs? And we were shocked at how many people had their own stories of, dealing with Deshaun Watson and his behavior during uh, during sessions. So uh, when we first approached Rusty Harden's office, uh, they felt that we were presuming his guilt and that we were being unfair. It wasn't presuming his guilt. We spent weeks reporting it, and based on the reporting we gathered, that's what it all pointed to. I mean, there, there was a pretty good reason to presume guilt at that point. Uh, and we went to them for answers. They provided what they provided. They provided some statements. And it just, it was thin. I, I don't know how else you can say it. You know, you can go back and, and read our pieces, but there just wasn't a whole lot there as far as his defense goes. They might have won some of those cases if they went to uh, civil trials. I think he would have lost quite a few as well. And that's where we are at this point. So, uh He's Deshaun Watson is clearly surrounding himself with people who are telling him, you didn't do anything wrong. This is you have been wrong. You have been wronged by a biased media and a uh, an ambulance chasing lawyer and, and all this stuff. And it's just not reality at this point. And 
so let's introduce the flip side to that too, Gary, because I think this is important to peel it back. I, for for people who are following the outcome of yesterday on social media, um, Deshaun Watson's comments followed by sort of a streamline of reporting from your mainstream kind of football press, you would have taken this to uh, to be kind of a massive victory for, for Deshaun. But I, I think what you would you had mentioned Quincy Avery right who's the private quarterbacks coach um of Deshaun Watson David Mulligetta who's the the agent David Mulligetta works with athletes first um it's one of the largest agencies sports agencies in the NFL I mean Aaron Rodgers Dak Prescott I mean Mm -hmm. David has a ton of high profile clients multiple first round picks every year and so you know Adam Schefter has to retweet him without context because that's how that's part of the way that Adam gets his information. Um, There are people who work at ESPN or um, other outlets that have to um, that will just report uh, like I think I saw yesterday that, hey, the um, without any context, hey, they're still mad about this. Uh, they don't even think he should get six games. Okay, this is part of horse trading, right? In mm-hmm. in in the NFL information business, I would say to some extent we all engage in some form of that, or a lot of people do. Um, but what happens in situations like this is, I think it blurs the seriousness of of what has happened, and to me, uh, it, it represents something almost. Um, almost political right where you have a sort of left-leaning press or a right-leaning press that that basically hold up these structures or these people as infallible because that's where the the flow of information comes from and again i mean you know um are are people all guilty of this in some way shape or form are we more sympathetic less sympathetic uh you know I, i i'm sure yes but that's how some of this stuff happens. And so I think a lot of people were stunned yesterday because, you know, if you see a NFL reporter with a million followers retweet somebody uh, with uh, that's using very defiant, legally structured language, mm-hmm. that seems important to you, the reader, right? And And again, readers are smart enough to make their own, to draw their own conclusions here. But, you know, as an observer, sometimes I take a step back and I say, wow, Imagine if I didn't cover the NFL for a second. Imagine if I just fired up Twitter to see what was going on in the middle of my workday. And, you know, I'm not super legal. uh, I'm not super versed in legalese. I don't really know the major players or what's going on. But, hey, this guy's on ESPN. Hey, this guy works for, um, you know, this outlet, this outlet. This makes sense. You know, so in a lot of ways it gets obscured. And I, I think yesterday was a really kind of stunning example of that where we've almost sort of tribalized, uh, you know, okay, here are the people who are getting stuff from the Watson camp and they're going to put out something over here and here are the people who aren't. And it's like, man, this is a, it's night and day. Yep. And obviously Jenny falls into a camp where she is not desperately chasing access. That's not how she works. I mean, that is how journalism is supposed to work when you're covering people. And and I should, right. And I should, and I should clarify that like, yes, there are, there is the camp that, you know, is getting information and, and needs to keep that 
flow of information coming, right? There is the camp that probably just, you know, is like, hey, I'm going to come out and I'm just going to take swings at this guy like a pinata and I don't care. And then there are people like Jenny who are just excellent reporters and don't have a biased bone in their body. And I think went out, set out to do something just straight up, you know, fact finding information, journalism, like as we used to call it. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so that, that's sort of the landscape that we're dealing with right now. And, uh, I, I will just add this to wrap up the, the media aspect of this show. Uh, there was, you know, Jenny had put out a story with Ken Belson of the New York times, a fine reporter in his own right. They tag teamed, uh, the piece that the times out yesterday and they did reach out to David Mulligetta. Um, I believe, uh, I believe Ken did, but, um, Mulligetta's comment was, we're going to stay away from the New York Times. Have a good one. Which, I mean, that's how it works. They are feeding their information to people they know will put it out unvarnished. Right. Who will just repeat <clears throat> what they want put out there. And, and you know, you get to put it under the, uh, under the banner of Outlet X. Yeah. That's um, the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's the reality of it. Um, you know, I'm not going to stand here and say that I'm, you know, uh, that I'm Bob Woodward here and I'm the whatever the ombudsman of sports Twitter. You know, I think we all have our our flaws and our biases and everything like that. But, you know, yeah, this is this is the landscape. This is how it's set up right now. And I think it's important for uh, anyone reading this uh, to not really take anything minus a thoroughly reported, hey, I'm going to include all sides of this piece uh, as as gospel. So here we are, Connor, going to be at least 11 games. 11 games is probably still the most likely outcome, but uh, it is probably not etched in stone at this point. Uh, and as far as you and I go, we will be back Monday with our usual goofiness. The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. 